0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. This is Clark. And Bobby Jean. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. We're looking at Luke chapter 17. And I guess relatively, comparing it to other Luke chapters, it's kind of short, but (laughs) all kinds of good stuff in here. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Where should we begin?
1: You, me? Verse 1. Verse 1 seems appropriate. Yeah. Well,
0: that, that first section actually stood out to me for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Uh, Let me read you the first three verses and uh, I'll unpack just kind of what the Lord lifted for me. Jesus said to his disciples, things that, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe Mm -hmm. to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Mm -hmm. So watch Yourselves. If your brother or your sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. And he continues on. Jesus is just calling us to take very seriously uh, temptation and sin. And again, oftentimes we'll think of this in, in light of ourselves, like me. Like, what am I tempted by? What am I sin? How do? What? What am I susceptible to when it comes to to sin hmm. in my life and my family? You know. Uh, my surroundings. And what Jesus is saying is, yeah, you know, take it to heart for you, but also just as importantly, look out for everybody else around you. Yeah. And so just be mindful of what are you watching and how is that affecting the people you're watching it with? What are you listening Mm -hmm, to? mm -hmm. And not only how is that affecting you, but how does that affect the heart of those you're listening with? Mm -hmm. What you eat and what you drink, all these different things. Um, Paul picks up the mantle, and he talks about this in Romans and in 1 Corinthians as well, and this is what he says. He says, if your brother or your sister's distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Don't Don't let your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Mm-hmm. In the context of that passage, they're talking about food and food that had been sacrificed to idols and what are the people at this time allowed to eat and not to eat because they didn't want to confuse other people based upon their culture. Yeah. And basically what Paul is saying is take the higher road and if you're um, going to eat some food that's really going to throw somebody, it's going to cause them to sin and cause them to focus on something or someone other than God, then yeah. just don't eat the hot dog or don't yeah. don't eat the burger. Don't <laughs> eat the whatever it is. He's saying that's not important. What's most important is the person for whom Christ died. 1 Corinthians, he says, um, uh, well, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, be careful that you don't ex- the exercising of your rights does not become a stumbling block for the weak. Again, so like, is alcohol mm. legal? Yeah, it's it's legal, definitely. Just be mindful that what what you're illegally allowed to do is not harmful to you and especially the people around you, because it might be yeah. permissible, but it might not be beneficial. Mm. And then Paul wraps up saying, so this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your doing, your knowledge, your acting, your living. And so... Um, I guess recently, just with some guys in my groups and some friendships, we we had some good conversations. One of them, our buddies opened up, you know, in the past about playing cards and gambling and how playing cards was a struggle for him. And so, mm. I'm just mindful of that, of like, okay, I should be be wise and and help my brother here. I know others that have struggled with alcohol, and it's like, well, we don't need to drink that when when they're there. Um, just being mindful of of that. So, anyways, that that's how. Yeah. I guess my heart was really caught by that, and just saying, "Huh?" Uh huh. Uh huh. Am I mindful? Yeah. So there's that, and then the story really transitions to the lepers.
1: Yeah, that was you again. I, you know what stuck out to me was more at the end of the chapter, but. Okay.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. If you if you transition to look at section verses 11 through 19, it's the story of the ten lepers, and leprosy. I um, actually did a Lent teaching on this. On, through our social media a couple weeks ago so if you heard this already i apologize <laughs> but um what leprosy is is your nerves start to die and you can't feel then you squish your toe you smash a finger or something you don't know it you can't feel it it mm-hmm. rots it gets infected mm-hmm. your body starts falling apart and gets sick um so when people had leprosy back in the day they were kicked out of the community and would yeah. be sent to their own like colony, mild like far away from the town, and you couldn't come within a certain number of feet of people. So many of these lepers hadn't seen their family, probably probably in years. Mm-hmm. So imagine like your brothers or your sisters or your roommate or your mom and your dad or your spouse, your kids, like can't see them, can't come within X amount of feet mm-hmm. because you have this disease. And at the time they didn't know the ins and outs of it yet. But if you go to the priest and he deems you like, uh, cleansed, then mm-hmm. you can be reinstated back into society. So in the story, these guys come up to Jesus and are like, hey, like, have mercy on us, please. And Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. So the first interesting thing is verse, you know, uh, um, 14, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. And so in a sense, mm-hmm. it's like there's a, a leap of faith by the lepers. Right. As they were going, they looked down, they realized, oh, my goodness, my, my fingers are regrowing or my skin's healing. Mm. And so naturally, what are you going to do? Like naturally, again, I you're going to run to the priest. Why? Because you haven't seen your spouse, your kids, your mom, right. your dad, your neighbors in years. And you want to get back to them. But what's fascinating is this, that last one, the one who comes back. Mm-hmm. And when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan, again, an outsider to the community. Jesus asked him again, we're not all ten clans. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise, go, your face made you well. And so just celebrating that attitude of gratitude, like I told our kids the other day. <laughs> Got to have an attitude of gratitude. But really, though, that's that's really interesting to see that this man who was a foreigner and an outsider to the religious community chose Jesus before going back to see his family and friends in his community. And so Mm. just challenge maybe today, sit down, make a list. What are the things you're grateful for? Yeah, just another day, the wind, the clouds, the sun, oxygen, water. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a friendship. I don't know, but maybe consider making a list. Yeah. But those are the two things that stood out to me. That's a good idea. Turn it over to you, Bob.
1: That's what I love about when you're reading through a chapter of the Bible or through the Bible itself with someone else. And so Clark and I literally read the exact same chapter, and we just totally different, um, totally different things stuck out to us. The Lord lifted for us.
0: So yeah. Well, from the end, did you? Um, yeah, so
1: the whole last kind of chunk, probably from verse twenty to verse thirty like to the end, really stuck out and it's entitled The The Kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom. And, uh, it's so interesting because you hear about the kingdom of God and the coming of Messiah. This is throughout, this is a theme throughout the entire Bible. And in the old Testament, what you hear constantly is that this, you know, coming line, this coming King, this King that will reign and his reign will last forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, then you transition to the new Testament and you hear like in Matthew chapter three, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so, oh. Like, oh, so the King has come. The Messiah is here. And then again, we read this. So I'm going to read the first couple verses here in my section, verse 21, 22. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answers them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, Hmm. nor will they say, look, here it is or there for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And so wow, okay, so we've had this theme throughout the entire Old Testament, we've come to the New Testament, Jesus is on the scene, and he's declared now, and other folks like John the Baptist have declared, okay, something's happening now. So we're living this reality that the kingdom of God is at hand, but also for us Christians right now today in 2021, we have to hold in the other hand that He's coming again. So the kingdom is here and there is this power and this presence Mm -hmm. that we have in in Jesus Christ because of how he lived, how he died, and how he rose again. Yes, that's the kingdom present here right now. And also at the same time, there's this futuristic kingdom that we will be welcomed into when Jesus returns for us, for the bride. And I love this little kind of factoid here that was in just a a study Bible. It says it so well. I'm going to read it to you guys. To view the kingdom either as already totally realized or as totally futuristic is to do violence to the message of the New Testament. We serve a king who has already been enthroned, yes, and we await his triumphal return in glory when every knee will bow before him. So there's this kind of both and that we're reading about in the kingdom and I mean, that last part too, when every knee will bow, there's this seriousness and this urgency that you read about that I kind of was gleaning from this chapter um, at the end. So in chapter 27, you read about how um, the kingdom of God, when it comes um, again, like the future is to when Jesus comes again and every knee will bow, it's going to be yes everyone's going to see it'll be like a flash of light, but it's going to be like the times of Noah too when mm-hmm. people were you know eating and drinking and carrying on and then boom the yeah. flood came. The same thing with Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah they were eating and drinking I think literally in verse let me read here, hmm in verse thirty one, on that day, uh nope nope verse twenty nine. But on that day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven, oh, Twenty-eight. You guys, hang on. (laughs) We'll get there. You're doing good. Just as it was in the days of Lot, there were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went from Sodom, fire and sulphur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. And Hmm. so it will be when the day of the son of man is revealed. On that day, let no one who is on the housetop with his goods go into the house and come down, and likewise let no one who is in the field return not return back. And so what is happening here is Jesus is reminding folks, like actually enlightening folks to what it's going to be like and saying, this is urgency. This is serious. Pay attention, prepare. And then there's this really interesting reference in verse 23. My goodness. 32. Remember Lot's wife.
0: What happened to her?
1: (laughs) You guys, if you think back to that story, what happened to Lot's wife? Lot's wife looked back when they were fleeing and Mm -hmm. she was turned into salt. What is salt? Salt is a preservative. Preservative. Now read verse 33. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, Mm. but whoever loses his life will keep it. This is Jesus saying, remember that my kingdom is coming and my kingdom is the one that matters. Not the kingdom that you're working on on earth. Not the kingdom that you're rebuilding and painting and earning money for. But it's my kingdom.
0: That's a good word. It is.
1: And I want to encourage you, instead of making a checklist for your day, this kind of popped into my mind too, that says like, okay, you know, in my day, I'm going to wake up, uh, check. I'm going to shower, check. I'm going to eat breakfast, check. I'm going to, you know, get the kids going, check. Uh, And then I'm going to have my quiet time, check. And I'm going to really be with the Lord, okay? Imagine a checklist where I'm waking up and I'm with God. And I'm imagining and I'm sitting in his presence with me on the edge of my bed as I go into my day. Imagine going into the shower and the presence of the Lord is with you. And you look at yourself in the mirror and you do your hair or you put your hair in, and the Lord is with you. Check. Now you're preparing your breakfast. Oh, I'm so grateful, God. Thank you for waking me up, God, for this day. I'm so glad to be clean in a Mm. warm shower. I'm so happy, God, that I can open my pantry, God, and I have food. Thank you, God, for providing. Check. And then all of the sudden, these meaningless kind of tasks that you just are checking off in the morning so that you can actually get to have your quiet time or whatever it is for you. I don't know. I just made this up. Instead of God just being a part of the list, God is the list. So these tasks like, you know, in this verse that we're reading Building, about, verse twenty. Exactly. Planting yeah. and building instead of those just being things that you do to like, oh, okay, now these are all done and now I can have my quiet time. No, God is the list. He's with you in your building and your planting and uh-huh. your showering and your breakfast and all of these things. These are all moments where we can lean into his presence. These are all moments where the kingdom of God is here on earth and is present and we can look to Jesus coming again. And I'm just encouraged in that today. I think this word, like, there is some heavy picture. So, like, Clark, you were talking about temptation uh-huh. and how, quote, in verse 2, it would be better for him to, if a millstone were hung around his neck. Like, what? And then in later on in this chapter, that there's going to be, you know, two women, verse 35, grinding together, and one will be taken, one will be left. And they're talking about the second coming. This is This is um, serious language that Mm -hmm. we're looking at. Like, let's take that seriousness and translate it into our life so that we don't get distracted from these things. But otherwise, these these are opportunities to enter into God's presence and to walk with him in the kingdom here as we look to the kingdom that's coming. So that's kind of what encouraged me today.
0: No fluff in this chapter. Jesus is getting (laughs) right to the heart of it and talking about things that are really important. So, hey, thanks for listening to us today, and we're praying that you have a fantastic weekend. So God bless you, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. The
1: Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His countenance towards you and give you His peace. Have a great day.